This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Made For This. Go to hellofresh.com slash madeforthis16 and use code madeforthis16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. Hey guys, it's Chloe. Really excited about today's episode with Jenny and David Platt. You can find David's book, Don't Hold Back, anywhere books are sold. This is an important message that I believe we all need. So get ready. You're going to be challenged. Your mind's going to be blown. We are big David Platt fans over here. So here's today's conversation with Jenny and David Platt. All right, guys, you know, you know, David Platt, He's my brother. I feel like David, whenever I see you, I I just care about you and Heather so mm. much. You all are mm. so just such dear friends to me and Zach. And I'm so grateful that you're on. Everything mm. we're about to talk about is God's heart for all of you. And as we close the season, I don't want you to miss God's heart for you. David, you are coming off of releasing a book that talks really about God's heart for us. And I was so grateful you wrote it. You did such a great job with it of just pulling us back to the heart of Jesus. So you, you know, the name of the book, if you don't know it, it is Don't Hold Back. And the subtitle is Leaving Behind the American Gospel to Follow Jesus Fully. So you know me, I'm going to dive right in. We are not going to small talk. And I want you to share with me what leaving behind the American gospel is. What is the American gospel? Well, I, before I dive into that, I just want to say, I'm just thankful. Like you said, you're my brother. Like I'm thankful to be family with you and Zach. It's really, thank you for the way you guys love us like family and encourage us, pray for us, are there at low points, the way family is with each other at low points. So I just want to uh, say that that's not just Jenny Allen talking right there. That's Jenny Allen is family to us. Uh, so um, American gospel. So basically like 10 plus years ago, I wrote a book radical taking back your faith from the American dream. And uh, the conclusion I've come to over the last couple of years is uh, that it didn't go far enough. Like it wasn't radical enough in the sense that it wasn't just an American dream that was consuming our lives. Like we're actually tempted to buy into an American gospel. And by that, I mean, what I've seen, especially pastoring in Metro DC over the last few years is we are tempted to exchange a biblical gospel that exalts Jesus above everything in the world for an American gospel that actually uses, I use the term prostitutes Jesus for the sake of comfort and power and politics and prosperity in our country. And basically takes political preferences or even convictions or ideological values of comfort and prosperity and puts them on the same level as the gospel of Jesus Christ when it comes to uh, our identity and when it comes to what brings us together in the church and when it comes to what affects the way we live in the world. Let's look back at Radical and when you wrote that. 
And I want to, I want to just talk about the progression of even the world since you wrote that, because mm. radical was a hard pill to swallow. And yet a lot of people gobbled it up. And I think it was because it was making us sick the way we were living. And so it made sense to us when we read it. And I would say in the same way, the things we've been consuming and the way we've been consuming them for the last several years is making us sick. And so this Mm. isn't just a challenge of this needs to change, but this isn't even working. It's not like people are free or happy or experiencing the abundant life that God meant for them. Yes, that's that's the thing. That's what drove me to write this book is I talk with so many people who are uh, looking around at the church over the last few years and disillusioned by things we see, divided in ways that we weren't divided before even, um, and just discouraged, maybe even damaged, like hurt. And then I'm, you and I are spending time with uh, the next generation who's like increasingly disengaging from the church or talking about deconstructing faith, all these things. And people just, I, it feels like there's a sense of, I thought there was more to the church than this. I thought yeah. there was more to Jesus than this. And I wanted to write a book that says there is like, there's yeah. so much more to Jesus and so much more to the church than what we've seen experienced over the last few years. And we can experience it like better, but we can experience him. But if we're going to do so, some we need to have some conversations about some issues and some things need to be different, not just in like those people out there, but in us. Uh, and really, much like Radical was, it's writing this book was the overflow of refining work God's been doing in my own heart in the process. You say in the book, our parents and other adults, young and old alike, showing the next generation what a commitment to the Great Commission looks like in action. And I know this is your heart. And and what do you think we're doing instead? What are we substituting for what God's actually called us to do? I think at the core, we are substituting our ideas and even ideals, positions, preferences, whether just in our personal lives or in our country. Like when I think about the po- the politics of it all, like when I said in our church in 2020, like we're not going to divide over who you vote for here. Like. Because I'm, I'm hearing people say, you can't be a Christian and vote for fill in the blank. And different people are filling in different names in the blank. And it's like, you can't be a Christian. And what unites us as Christians, like the Bible and the atonement of Jesus and the Trinitarian nature of God. Like, we just took how you vote in a presidential election, put it on the same level of those things. Like, we, so what, what really is the core of what it means to be a Christian? And it's not how you vote in a presidential election. Like there's so much deeper and more beautiful things in that. Uh, And then just the way that's played out. One chapter I write on ethnicity and race because for the history of our country, we've divided into different churches based on the color of our skin. Like surely it's time for us to turn the tide on centuries of racial division in the church. Uh, I just got back from spending some hours with uh, a group of African-American and white pastors just just saying, how can we better work together? Like, we certainly don't want to live like we're preserving time capsules from 200 years ago or even 50 years ago. So uh, what happens when uh, Jesus and his purpose for our lives are not reigning supreme in our minds and hearts? in ways that we may not even realize we've let some other things take that place. 
you all may not know, but David, as well as writing books that serve all of us, he pastors a church in Washington, D.C. You're in the heart of political chaos, right? Mm -hmm. And even Mm -hmm. making some of these calls has been costly for you. Can you Mm -hmm. just talk about that? Because it's not easy right now to to hold to what is good and true and mm-hmm. and to to do it in a way like you talk about in the book that's also kind. <laughs> yeah, You're still yeah. going to get beat up. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. That's again part of why I wrote this book because I have had by God's grace people like Jenny Allen who have uh looked at me in some hard days where whether it's just slander coming your way, whether it's just just attacks of different forms. And I I even use that term uh, i don't want to lose it use it too loosely i mean you and i know persecuted brothers and sisters in the world who right. are literally physically yeah at danger through their lives and so i'm not at all presuming it's at, at that level at the same time it's i've i've been discouraged i've been disillusioned in the ways we were just talking about and uh um it's been so helpful to have people in my life who just look me in the eye in those moments and say, Hey, keep going. That's why I titled the book. Don't hold back. And cause I want to say that to others who it's, yeah, you, you step into conversations about how can we, um, really work to heal racial divide. Like you there's landmines everywhere. And, uh, there's, uh, people start lobbing accusations and labels and, and you, and so, and that's just one example. In addition to, there's a whole chapter on doing justice and what does that look like in our lives? Like that's costly. We, I think, part of the reason why we don't do justice the way the Bible calls us to is because it, it's really costly. It takes us out of our comfort zone. It, it, uh, you can't do justice without cost. You can't reach the nations with the gospel without cost. But uh, that's where we got to ask the question: Is it worth it? Is he worth it? And uh, the answer is absolutely he is. But we need to we need to have people in our lives and God's word, his spirit continually remind us that it's it's worth it. What would you say to someone who says, well, that isn't the gospel. Racial reconciliation isn't the gospel. This uh work of justice social is not the gospel. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? Because they're lobbying the same, almost yeah, the same thing yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, sure. I would say, you know, I used to think that way. I, I used to think uh abortion. Like that's a political issue and I'm just going to preach the gospel and I'm just going to, but then I realized, wait, this is a biblical issue far before it's a political, political issue. Like Psalm 139 is really clear about what's happening in the womb. And if I'm going to be faithful as a pastor, I need to preach that. So this was years ago when I was in Birmingham. So I started addressing that issue biblically. And then how does that play out in the church practically? As the overflow of the gospel, as people who know God, know that God's created every person, including a child in the womb, in his image, then we need to work intentionally as the overflow of the gospel for the good of children in the womb. Well, why limit then that equation? Okay, the gospel leads to that kind of action. Why just for the unborn? Why not for the poor? Why not for the refugee? Why not for the fatherless? Why not for the widow? Why not for those who are oppressed in a variety of different ways here and around the world? And that's where it's interesting. I usually get that criticism. Why it just, just preach the gospel when I'm talking about some of these other issues. I hardly ever hear somebody, when I speak about abortion, very rarely will I hear people say, oh, just preach the gospel. But when I start addressing race or 
poverty or oppression in different ways, refugees, that's when it's like, oh, just preach the gospel. Well, why? where did we get the idea that we'd be selective about which issues we apply the gospel to? Certainly doing justice in and of itself is not the gospel. Like the gospel is the good news, what God has done for us in Jesus. But as Jesus transforms our hearts, mm-hmm. he transforms our lives. We become justice stewards. This is James. Like faith without works is dead. If you see someone in need, poor without clothes, and you do nothing, what good is that? Like this is this is not so faith in Jesus inevitably leads to doing justice and not being selective and the kind of justice we do or don't do. I think there's a lot of fear. I mean, we're I, I'll just speak for myself. I feel fear as elections start to approach again and just the mm-hmm. division and how the whole conversation is about to shift to which it's not as if it's left it really, but it, it'll go back in greater form to mm-hmm. to just the politics of the day. Do they matter? How do you place that in life? It's not like you disregard them. Where does it find a place in your mind and in your life? Yeah, I I think they definitely matter. Like, uh, yeah, laws and uh, leaders. Like, and the to the extent in which we have opportunity uh, in the United States to be a part of affecting those, like that matters a lot. Uh, my encouragement is uh, when I think about our church or just the broader church, like let's just make sure we keep those in their proper place. Those ideas, those convictions, even that we have, like. The way I described in the book, like there's kind of first bucket issues. That's what makes us followers of Jesus, the authority of God's word, the core truth of the gospel. Then there's second bucket issues, what bring us together in different churches, uh, where we might have differences between churches, like on how you do baptism or how you do church government or a variety of different things. And then there's third bucket issues. They're like, okay, even followers of Jesus in the same church, we agree to disagree on, on a variety of these things. And that's where I would put uh, a lot of so wherever the Bible's not clear and direct, then I'm going to be putting those kinds of issues and conversations in the third bucket. And I think it's really good for us to be in relationship with others where we disagreements about third bucket issues and we just keep them in their proper place where we don't walk away. Like I was talking about earlier, what you voted for this candidate, therefore you're not a Christian. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you said in the first bucket, but to keep that in the third bucket. Like in our church, we have a lot of people who passionately disagree about who should be president of the United States or how this or that policy policy should play out. I love, like just recently, we had a group in our church. They spent eight weeks walking together through those kinds of issues and passionately disagree. I mean, with tears out of the overflow of a lot of hurt in their lives, disagreeing about these things, but they did it with their Bibles open and with unity around Jesus. And they walked out genuinely loving one another. They listen to each other. That's where either we kind of put things in the wrong bucket or we forget to love how love and care for people across buckets, but they did this. So, and I would argue they experienced a deeper unity as a result of diving into those things, because they realized this is where we're united around Jesus. And we are, uh, we disagree on some of these things and that's going to affect the way we view a variety of different things, but we're still the body of Christ today in a way that transcends all these things in the world. Yeah. One of my favorite things that you talk about in the book is just our, the way that we talk about these things. And I want to mm-hmm. go into that a little deeper. This is a quote from the book. Then as we learn God's word, let us use it to lead others to eternal life. 
but share God's word, not as a weapon to wound enemies in cultural battles. Oh, love this line. But as a balm to heal and restore friends, neighbors, and strangers with the compassion of Jesus. I I have chills and I tear up at that because it is such a passion of mine. And it feels like we've gotten so far away from that. Yeah, I just, I think what recent years have uncovered is our muscles for how to have like conversations with one another that are understanding and empathetic and listening and learning with humility and kindness and compassion. Like those muscles are just not strong. They've, they've not been developed. Well, our culture is not developing them. Like our, our culture is so polarized and, uh, and, and and sadly, it's not just the culture, it's the church. It's so far, but we have in the gospel and in the spirit of God inside of us, the ability to do all those things, to be able to listen well to each other, learn from each other, humbly come together, be kind, compassionate toward each other, and honorable even to our enemies. Uh, like what who we would perceive as our enemies. Like Jesus obviously makes that clear. Like love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. But then to not see people on the on a different side of the aisle than you or a different perspective than you as enemies, but to see, well, if they're in the church, to see them as genuinely family as brothers and sister in Christ, or if they're not in the church, to see them as friends, we long to see come to know the love of Jesus. And that's going to affect the way we talk about these issues. We're not about winning culture wars. We're about leading people to the love of Jesus. And that changes our tone. That changes our, our the way we interact. Like, do people who disagree with us walk away with a clear picture of how much we love them? Have you seen the show, The Social Dilemma, that Netflix put out a few years ago? Yeah, I did. I saw it a while back. Because I feel like it's only getting worse. I just think, Mm -hmm. you know, the premise, if you haven't seen it, I do recommend it, is this idea that basically, I'm guessing it's AI or, or I don't know what they called it in the show, but at this point, we know it's AI, is is noticing what you respond to and they're feeding you more of it. And therefore our polarization is wider and more dramatic than it's ever been, which, okay, that's the world. It shouldn't be the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it shouldn't mm-hmm. be the church. And yet I think we're maybe the leaders of the polarization and the division, mm-hmm. um, which is so sad. And, and I do think and believe, and we've seen this, David, in our ministries and in our lives and with our people, it's possible. It's possible to hold different views and to be friends and to build for the the kingdom and the gospel. Because I know what what causes you to lose sleep is the same thing that causes me to lose sleep, Mm -hmm. which is that there's a lot of people that right now do not know Jesus and Mm -hmm. are going to be lost eternally. And Mm -hmm. that matters way more than these issues that it's not that they don't matter, but it's in light of of what we know ultimately matters. And so I want you to talk about, I want you to even go back, David, to where you fell in love with the global church and specifically unreached Mm -hmm. people. Wow. And all right. So, and I just want to make the connection there, just uh, make it like biblically obvious. Like this is Jesus praying this for us in John 17, that that we would be one in the same way the father and him are one so that the world might know like evangelism, like the spread of the gospel in the world hinges on this kind of picture of unity. So they go together. So, I mean, when I was a college student, that was, that was the big turning point for me when somebody walked me from cover to cover through God's word and just showed me that God is zealous for 
his grace and his glory to be known in all the nations. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember somebody walked through that in a breakout session at a conference one that I was attending. And I was like, jaw on the ground. This changes hmm. everything. Like I'd grown up in the church. Maybe somebody had shared that and I just totally missed it. But it felt like this is the first time I was seeing this. That, and then that was like the stick of dynamite in my art that just, I mean, it was it was over from there on. And, it, and all I did was walk through the word. That was the beauty. I mean, this is where God's designed all history to head. Like all the nations worshiping him. Like that's what it's all about. So that's what my life should be all about. And then I start learning after that. That night, in the main worship time, led a time of prayer for unreached people, uh, specifically the Amdo Tibetan people. I'll never forget. Wow. It's the first time I'd ever heard about and prayed for unreached people, like people in the world who have little to no access to the gospel. And I remember getting down on my knees with a group of guys, and we just prayed together for Amdo Tibetan people. And then I start learning in the days to come that it's not just like an isolated people group. Like there's thousands of them and billions of people like this who are on a road that leads to an eternal hell who've never even heard, don't have access to the gospel. And I just remember thinking at that point, really what I still think now, Jimmy, like if that's true, why, why have I not like heard about this all my life? And why are we not talking about this all the time? Like all the time, 3 billion people who have little to no access to the gospel or on a road that leads to an eternal hell. Like this feels like we should be talking about not just at a missions conference every once in a while, like all the time and like all kinds of Christians, everybody's talking about this. So that was, that was the turning point uh, for me that just, yeah, changed the trajectory of my life. Can I make one other biblical connection there that comes to my mind real quick that connects all this together? Romans 14 and 15, when in, when Paul is addressing differences of conviction uh, over like uh, holidays to celebrate or food to eat. And so they're in the church. People believe different things about that. And he was like, believe strongly about it, but then come together around Jesus and the gospel. And then it's right after that, he says, I'm making my ambition to see Christ preach where he's not been named. Uh, and talks about getting the gospel to the unreached. And so the unity of the church for the spread of the yes. gospel to the unreached, like it's there, these go together. They're not isolated. Like they're one leads to the other. And I should say this, and I, I'm great dropping hints about things that I'm not going to tell y'all yet, but David and I and others are dreaming about ways this can happen. Like how mm. does the world come together around Jesus? Mm. And I just believe it's possible. And I think we're more hungry for it, David, than we've ever Mm. been. I mean, you saw that with Asbury. It's it's Mm. like the whole wide world just went, like everybody's eyes went to Asbury. Why? Because a bigger fear than political views or different issues of our day is that a whole generation wouldn't know God. Like a whole Mm. world, all all the Christians just all went. And and it didn't matter that it was a Methodist university. It instantly spread then to a Baptist university and to a Pentecostal Mm. one and to a, I want to get these right. There was like 12 um, and Mm. they were all different denominations. And so it didn't matter. We were just Mm. so overwhelmed and thrilled that the next generation was wanting God. And so that's to me after that, then we, you know, seek you first, the kingdom of God and all the other things are going to work themselves out. Mm -hmm. And I know one way that you really believe change happens. And I think, I mean, I do believe this too, but sometimes I forget how powerful it is, is prayer. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I guess I was kind of surprised because the whole book is so action oriented and lift your head and let's mm-hmm. go church. I was like, okay, yes, we have to begin and start with prayer. So talk about why mm-hmm. that is so important to you. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like that chapter at the end of the book on prayer is like the climax toward which everything builds and it's the foundation for anything that comes from it because it's well in my own life. Uh, this is conviction in my own heart, like up until uh, a couple of years ago, up until specifically, it was a trip that I took to South Korea. So this was pre-COVID, learning about more. And I'd been in South Korea before, but God did a really significant work in my heart on this trip as I learned more about the story of the church in South Korea. I mean, they went from in in 1900, less than 1% Christian. So a hundred years later, uh, so this is on the Korean Peninsula, less than 1% Christian. 100 years later, they had over 10 million followers of Jesus in South Korea alone. In addition to followers of Jesus in underground churches in North Korea, they're sending missionaries all over the world, uh, second only to the U.S. in sending capacity, but they are so much smaller so than great. the U.S. Like, yeah. So how does that happen? Like when I picture like a country that's less than 1% Christian right now, like Afghanistan, can you imagine 100 years from now? 10 million followers of Jesus in Afghanistan, and they're sending missionaries around the world with the gospel. Like, how does that happen? Well, it happened in South Korea or on the Korean Peninsula because they they got serious about praying, like praying all night, praying every morning, fasting. Like this became the mark of the church in South Korea. And I was convicted because I I had never up until that point been a part of an all-night prayer gathering. Um, I, of course, believed in prayer. I can like, but... I hadn't really prayed like that. And so coming back, I I just said, church, we got to, we got to change this. We're having an all night prayer gathering. We're going to start to do all night or late night prayer gatherings more often. And that's only grown. I mean, it's grown in the last few months, even Uh, like I am seeing one, the joy. I, this is like my favorite times in the church are when we are like, we'll gather together Friday night at seven thirty with like no plan, and I'm not right. saying it's wrong to plan. I plan a ton, but we won't we won't have a plan beyond a first song, and the Spirit will lead us according to His Word. It's just like tethered to His Word the whole time. But for the next three hours, in ways I never could have planned, that are awesome, that are just communion with God, just enjoying God, praying for each other, confessing sin, repenting. Like this is where I mean. This I want to know God more than I've known him in my 44 years on this earth. Like, right. I just, I know there's so much more. I, I see Moses in Exodus 33 after all that he had seen in God and all the miraculous. He's like, now show me your glory. Like, he wanted so much more. And I, I want more. I want to see more. I want to know more. I want to experience more and more of him. I want to see more people coming to Christ. Like we've prayed for people on one night and we've seen them come to Christ the next night. I want to see people released from addictions. We've seen people confessing addiction. I want to see people honestly confessing sin. Yes. And uh, like, we've had people like couples in a gathering, like one will turn to the other and confess adultery or sexual morality or just uh, anger, a variety of other things like, and, and confessing need for God's help amidst depression, suicidal thoughts. Like, right. We had one moment where it was just like, somebody was sharing about that. And I said, would you just stand up if you're struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts? People stood up all across the room. We gathered around and prayed for them. And if we're not careful, we can just go through motions. And I'm not in any way minimizing ordinary means of grace. Like 
those, yes, every day, like time with the Lord and gather together with the church, but let's make sure we're really gathering together to meet with God, to really seek God, to know God, to be honest with sin about uh, before God to to confess specific needs for His grace in our lives and to intercede for each other with faith and to pray with faith in God's yeah. power to heal and to yes. move in power and to intercede like right now for Sudan amidst what's going on there, believing that our prayers have an op- have have an effect on what God's doing in the world mm. and to pray. It is springtime and flavor is here with HelloFresh. Enjoy the taste of spring with chef-crafted recipes with ripe seasonal ingredients delivered right to your door. When the spring sunshine is calling your name, don't call for takeout, get HelloFresh instead. Go to hellofresh.com slash madeforthis16 and use code madeforthis16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh is delicious, it's convenient, it's customizable. Every single week you can pick from 40 different recipes and you can choose from over a hundred different items to round out your order. So there's like interesting snacks, easy lunches, desserts, everything arrives in one box on the delivery day that you choose. And listen, you don't have to be a pro in the kitchen to be able to use HelloFresh because they have these foolproof recipes that everything comes pre-proportioned in a little instruction page. It makes it really easy, step-by-step, helps you with the timing of like putting the vegetables in the oven versus cooking the protein. And the quality of everything that you get is awesome. I added a quick like lunch addition to my box last time and it was the most divine thing ever for lunch because usually I just eat like easy stuff you know for lunch but this was sourdough bread with ricotta cheese peach jam arugula and spicy honey or something like that like so good so easy it took me maybe all of 10 minutes to prepare and it's things like that that you can try on hellofresh and makes dinner time, lunch time so much simpler. Go to hellofresh.com slash madeforthis16 and use code madeforthis16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. You know what it makes me think is why do we diminish our power? Why do we not realize God has given us power and dominion over darkness and we really give way to it? And and I would say right now, what, what discourages me about the church when I look around and myself too, I do this, I did this two days ago, right? I mean, I completely froze out of just fear and insecurity. And so I get it. It's not like I'm I'm saying this in, in negative form to everybody else. We all do this, but it does feel like the enemy has a specific way of shutting us down right now. Mm-hmm. And it is to not believe anything is going to make a difference. It's almost mm-hmm. like the sky is falling and there's nothing we can do. And it's all dark and hard and can't wait. See you in heaven. Like that's our hope. And it's so sad. And I I do believe we've forgotten our place in the darkness, that we are to play a role to fight it. Right. So what does it it look like to fight it though? Because when you talk, you know, I'm like, my heart is stirred. I'm like, yes, every minute, every day, this is what I want to fight for. We have unbelievable opportunities to do that. All of you do. All of you do. You live in neighborhoods, apartment complexes, colleges. You you have places to fight darkness. And we kind of shut down and we hold back, to use your word. How do we not just fall into numb 
apathetic lives? That's such a good question. That's such, and because I feel, I just want to confess to, like, I feel that. I mean, you and I, you know, some of the things that Heather and I have been wrestling with, like, I am tempted today to, like, not pray with faith because it's, it's, it just, some things feel like they're not going to change or they're, so, so that's such a good question. And I think that's where that's where, and you've obviously hit on this so many ways, like find your people, like we need to be in relationships yeah. with one another, where we're spurring one another on, uh, where we have people speaking truth in our life that replaces the lies in our head. Again, you've yeah. talked a ton about that, uh, that we need because left to ourselves, we, we can go there. We can be paralyzed pretty quickly in that sense. So we need to be in community spurring one another on. And we need to be, I really think that's part of what we've experienced, even with these prayer gatherings, we need to be before God together. Yeah. Uh, so yes, alone, but but praying together and having people pray for you, you pray for them with faith, like that's being together before God, truly seeking God together is potent, is really, really powerful. And in all of that, uh, I think the other thing that comes to my mind, and part of this is I'm in the Psalms right now in my time of the Lord. It's just like remembering his deep, the way it says it over and over again, steadfast love for, for me and our, our church group. We're walking through Ephesians 3. It's like that you may know the depth and width and height and length, breadth of God's love for you and Jesus and be filled with all his fullness. Oh, I could just pray that over every single person listening to this right now. I pray Ephesians 3 over them, that they would know the breadth of God's love for them in Jesus and be filled with all of his fullness uh, as they trust in him, as they seek him, and walk with him, and and then, yeah, point others to him. I, I, I A picture came to my mind from somebody I was talking with just yesterday, a young mom who met some Afghans in her community. And long story short, they became friends and then they ended up asking questions about the Bible. And so she's been like walking them through the story of Jonah recently. And uh, it's like this young mom is like, oh, this is awesome. I get to be a part of pointing the nations to Jesus, like right outside my front door, right in my living room with these Afghan women that God's brought. And so it's obviously not bad for everybody, but we've got such beautiful opportunities every day, not just to enjoy this love, but to to bring others into it. Well, and I'm I'm thinking about the times too my heart has lifted to care about the things of God again and to not feel discouraged. Mm. And it's it often come from the global church. Watching God yeah. move and and people like you were talking about earlier are persecuted brothers and sisters. When you hear the stories mm. of of them being bold and faithful, it kind of helps heal what we're dealing with every day and give perspective, which that story of that Afghan woman, I'm like, yes, like we're, because I think a lot of people listening are going, I think it's enough just for me to care about my family and my, maybe Mm -hmm. my name like that. That's Mm -hmm. probably enough. Um, And that's probably all I can handle, but Mm -hmm. honestly, you're missing out when that's because I feel like being exposed to the global church has caused my faith to increase. Yes. That's such a good word. Yes. Like I, there's no question. I I've thought about this today 
amidst some discouragement, uh, I thought about some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are walking through some really hard things right now around the world. And I, that I know, and it was like, and you know who else I thought about? So global church and the people who are walking through similar things in life who have no hope yeah. in Jesus. Like I, I was actually, uh, we were on Sunday, I was just talking about, we were talking about the unreached and I was like, I realized some of you were thinking, David, I've got this going on in my life and my family or my work and it feels so heavy. And I just said, one, I get it. Like I, I really yeah. trust me. I get it. And imagine walking through those things yeah. without the hope of Jesus, like the strength of you imagine right. not knowing that it's going to be okay in the end, that in the end, one day your tears are going to be wiped away by God himself. And there's not going to be any more sorrow. Imagine walking through this right now. And the reality is 10 billion years from now, you're going to be walking through it in deeper ways and eternal everlasting suffering. Like, yeah, God help us to, to make sure to lift our eyes in those ways, the people right around us and then people far from us and, and realize, yeah, in this heart, in this world, we have trouble. Take heart. We know the one who's overcome the world and let's point the world to him. Yeah. Illuminations. A lot of people listening have been a part mm. of giving to that mission and that mission, if y'all don't know, and this is not sponsored by illuminations, it's just something Dave and I are passionate about, but I'm thinking of how to give besides prayer, like people, practical ways to help care about the world. And it just is a really practical one. It's why I love talking about mm -hmm. it because you know, what they've done is, is they're taking the gospel to the places and the word of God specifically translated to places that have never had it before. And I mean, I don't know if everybody listening knows this because not all of you are part of If Gathering, but we've given, y'all have given five, over $5 million in the last few mm -hmm. years to translate five different versions to five different people groups. Actually more than that, because some of them actually can split and divide and go into several mm -hmm. people groups. I just want to tell you like, and maybe you could even give other ideas, David, there are ways to care about the world and even to teach your kids like, Hey, this is something we we care about um, because God cares about it. What are some ways, practical ways that you've seen mm. people engage with? Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to just put it like 10 exclamation points on illuminations. And uh, I, I just, it's awesome. We can get the word of God to all the languages of the world in some, and, and, and at least some of it, like in our lifetime, like in the coming 10 years, it's, it's amazing. Crazy. The opportunity, I, when I think about Jenny, what you were sharing earlier about polarization, social dilemma, like the challenges, the, the havoc that's wreaked when it comes to technology and some, but there's also the other side, right? The, yeah. the opportunities we have that are greater than ever to get the gospel of the world. And even what we're talking about and dreaming about to gather the church for the spread of the gospel in the world. Like it's the opportunities are awesome. Yeah. Illuminations is one of those examples. So other practical things. Yes, I would definitely encourage. I mean, uh, I mean, simple things like when you are in your life or your marriage or family, like praying intentionally for like raise your kids to love the nations and want the spread of the gospel among the nations. So use Joshua Project Unreached of the Day app. Use uh, Pray the Word podcast. We pray every day for an unreached people group. Um, and then, yeah, encourage them. Where your treasure is, there, your heart will be also to, to really think through, well, in your own life, 
And then in the life of your kids, like to think through, okay, how can we give along these lines? Illumination is a great example. Our Radical does stuff through urgentneeds.org uh, is basically what we're doing to try to get the gospel to the front lines of unreached people. There's so many opportunities, obviously, through your local church, um, but to, to look for how can once you and your and your life and your family start putting resources financially behind the spread of the gospel in the world, Jesus says your heart will follow more. And if you're not giving money there, then your heart's not going to go there. So, so to do that. And then I would really encourage people. I mean, the story I shared earlier, what are the opportunities to reach out to the nations even right around you? Like that God is by his grace and his sovereignty has brought the nations to our front doors. It's amazing. And so to look for opportunities to reach people from different ethnicities around us and specifically from places in the world that are less reached by the gospel that God's brought here. It's so interesting. It's one of the things I talk about in the book that evangelical Christians, like statistically, are some of the most resistant to people coming from nations like that in the United States, which I'm not trying to make commentary on integration legislation or lack thereof. But at the same time, I am saying, if God brings people who are far from the gospel in the world to our front door, we should be really excited about the opportunities to share the gospel right around us. And so uh, those just those some other practical ways to think through. Just a reminder that we have put the link to David's book, Don't Hold Back, in the show notes, and you can find it anywhere books are sold. You guys, I have a special request to make. Okay. You know, on your podcast app where you can leave ratings and reviews on the podcast that you listen to? Well, it is honestly like one of Jenny and I's favorite things. It's one of those ways that we get to know you uh, just a little bit by your reviews and your ratings, and it helps other people find out about the show. So would you go today, and if you've been listening for a while and you're enjoying the show, can you go leave a rating and review? We would so appreciate it. And we're always grateful that you're here. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast. Mm-hmm.